Let's pray. God, as your scriptures are read this morning and your word is proclaimed, we pray that you would open our eyes to see you more clearly. Open our ears to hear that word that you have for us today. Open our, our mouths that we would go forth and proclaim your word. And open our hearts that we would be challenged and convicted today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So our passage this morning is from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 29 through 42. Let's hear now the word of the Lord. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit." I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is, the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas which when translated is Peter. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Back in Bible times, parents were very intentional about the names that they chose for their children. In Jewish culture, naming a child was a significant event because names told about the character of the person. This goes all the way back to Adam, whose Hebrew name is Adam, which means human being or mankind. Later in the New Testament, we have Moses, whose name means drawn out, because he was drawn out of the water. Some people believe that his name also could mean uh, be Moses because he draws his people out of slavery in Egypt. In Genesis 25, we read the story of Jacob and Esau, who were twins. Esau was born first, and Scripture tells us that he came out all hairy. His whole body was like a hairy garment. So he was named Esau, which means hairy. Then Jacob came out grasping the heel of his brother Esau, and Jacob figuratively means he deceives. And if you remember that story from the Old Testament, he deceives. Who does he deceive? his father and his brother. He deceives them both. 
So, but today we don't put that much meaning on names. Most of us probably don't even know the meaning of our names. So here are meanings for a couple of popular names. The name Michael is a Hebrew from Hebrew origin and means who is like God. Karen is from the Greek origin and it means pure. That's true of our Karens. Evelyn is an English, from English origin, it means wished for child. Stacy means resurrection. Rodney is from the English origin, and this means from the island in the swift river. Kelly is Irish or Gaelic, and it means strife or war. Elizabeth is from the Greek, and it means oath of God. Agnes is Greek, and it means pure and holy. And Norma is, from, is an American name, and it means rule or pattern. Now, while those meanings don't really mean anything to us today, back in biblical days, it would have told about your character. Names were a big deal back then. That's why it's a big deal when John the Baptist saw Jesus coming and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Lamb of God had a very significant meaning. He could have just said, here comes Jesus, but he didn't. The significance of using the term Lamb of God is to indicate the sacrifice that Jesus would make for the sins of the world. John knew that Jesus would be a sacrifice, so he calls him the Lamb of God. Now, lambs were connected to sacrifice of atonement or sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. And John was probably thinking about that when he called Jesus Lamb of God. It was a reminder that Jesus came to pay a terrible price. And John knew this about Jesus, and he was tr trying to convey the message to his disciples and to the people. At this point, he had a better understanding of who Jesus is than anyone else. And this is made clear in his testimony, which was found in verse 32. John knew that he himself came to baptize with water in order that Jesus might be revealed to Israel. John tells about his experience when he personally witnessed the Spirit of God coming down from heaven as a dove and remaining on Jesus. But now, John is taking the focus off of himself, and he's pointing to Jesus. We really need to get a sense of how exactly John was doing that. When Jesus was walking along the bank of the river that day, John was not whispering to his followers, hey, there's Jesus, there's the guy I was telling you about. It wasn't like that. There was a sense of urgency and enthusiasm about John. Our text says that John said, look, the Lamb of God. But the Greek word is behold, which carries a sense of energy and excitement behind it. So it would sort of be com comparable to a drum roll. Look, there is Jesus. This was big news. Have you ever had really big news to share with someone? You don't whisper it, right? You want to shout it from the rooftop because you're so excited about it. That's what this is like. John wasn't trying to keep this a secret. He wanted everybody to know this news. He didn't want people to follow him. He was there to point people to Jesus. And that's exactly what a couple of John's disciples did. They started to follow Jesus, 
Now, I love this image here. It says in verse 37 that after the two disciples heard John call Jesus Lamb of God, it says they followed Jesus. Those first two disciples followed Jesus the way that we sometimes do, a few steps behind, right, at a, at a safe distance. They didn't want to get too close. They didn't want to disturb him or inconvenience him. They were curious, but they stayed a few steps back. We do that sometimes too, don't we? We say that we follow Jesus, but we don't want to get too close. And I wonder how long they walked behind Jesus before Jesus turned around and asked them, what do you want? They responded by asking him where he was staying. Teacher, where are you staying? Of all of the questions in the world that you could ask Jesus, I wouldn't think that would be the first one. Where are you staying? Now, it seems like it might be a ridiculous question to us, but they didn't ask that because they were curious about what his house looked like. They asked this question because they weren't satisfied just walking along behind him. They wanted to know where he was staying because they wanted to hang out with him. They wanted to go with him. They wanted to get to know him and spend time with him. That's exactly what true disciples of Jesus want. A true disciple wants to meet Jesus. They want to sit down with him and talk with him and get to know him. They want to share their problems and their life with him. A real disciple isn't satisfied just bumping into him along the road or bumping into him in church on Sunday morning. A real disciple wants to spend time with Jesus during the week, too. A real disciple wants to know what he has to say. They want to know what his will is for their lives. They want to learn from him. So Jesus extends an invitation. He says, come and see. He was inviting them to come and to find the things that he alone could open up to them. He was inviting them to get to know him and, and to have a personal relationship with him. These disciples accepted that invitation, and they went and they saw where he was staying. And scripture said that it was about the 10th hour, so it's about 4 o'clock in the afternoon. So they had the rest of the day to spend with Jesus, getting to know him. And it's important for us to notice what happens next. Verse 40 tells us that Andrew did two things that we all should do once we meet Jesus. It says the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him that they found the Messiah. This news was too big for him to keep to himself. Andrew had to go and tell his brother this great news. Even after he shared this news with his brother, Andrew didn't just leave it at that. Verse 42 tells us what he did. He brought him to Jesus. Andrew led his brother to Jesus so that his brother could see for himself who Jesus was and so that he could have his own experience of Jesus. And when Simon met Jesus, Jesus told him that his, no, his lame, name was no longer going to be Simon, that it was going to be Cephas or Peter. Jesus knew something about Peter that even Peter didn't know about himself. Peter's life was changed when he met Jesus. 
Now, next week, we're going to uh, learn more about the calling of those first disciples. But for today, I want us to focus on the motivation of those first disciples from the time they heard from John the Baptist about who Jesus is to Jesus changing Peter's name. Now, those disciples, they could have completely ignored what John the Baptist was saying. They'd been disciples of John's for some time now, and when John started calling this other guy the Lamb of God, they could have thought, man, this is getting really weird. I got to get out of here. But they didn't do that. They were curious about Jesus. They were curious enough to track him down and curious enough to follow him and to want to spend time with him and to get answers to their questions. There was this nagging curiosity that moved them toward Jesus. They were willing to step out of their comfort zones, to step away from everything that they knew that was comfortable and to follow. And because they did that, more people came to know Jesus. They didn't just take John's word for it. They were curious enough to find out for themselves Friends, it's the same with us. We can't take someone else's word for who Jesus is. We can't just take the pastor's word or our parents or our grandparents. We have to be curious enough to seek Jesus on our own and get to know him and spend time with him. We all follow Jesus to some degree, or we wouldn't even be here this morning. But this passage challenges us to think about the manner in which we follow. There are three ways that we follow Jesus. First of all, we recognize Jesus and acknowledge that he is most likely the Son of God, that he is the Messiah, but we're still standing on the shore watching Jesus pass by, looking on from a distance. Some believers say that they believe in Jesus, but they aren't involved in the life of the church, or they aren't involved with Jesus. They may not, they don't pray very often, but uh, they do whenever something's going really wrong in their lives. They don't open their Bible or study, you know, to study the Word of God on their own, but they say that they're believers. The second way that we follow Jesus is to be a little bit curious, but we don't want to get too close, so we follow at a safe distance. You don't want to get too close because he may challenge you. He may require something of you, and you're just not sure that you want your life to change. It's okay with you that you're not in Jesus' inner circle. You're perfectly comfortable at a safe distance where you can just take other people's word for it. You're comfortable knowing Jesus by hearsay. You attend church, you listen to sermons, you listen to other people share God sightings and their personal experiences with Jesus, but you don't have your own experience of Jesus because you keep them at a safe distance. You don't get close enough to actually interact with Jesus. The third way to follow Jesus is like those first disciples who were curious enough to go home with Jesus and to spend the day with him, asking questions and getting to know him. It wasn't enough for them to stand on the shore and watch Jesus pass by. It wasn't enough for them to stay at a safe distance. They wanted to know Jesus. They wanted a relationship with him. Friends, you can't have a relationship 
with Jesus Christ at a safe distance. Not the kind of relationship that he wants to have with you. Jesus wants you on that inside circle. Jesus wants you to walk right there next to him. He already knows you, but he wants you to know him just as intimately. He has this amazing plan for your life, and he wants you to know what that plan is, but he can't tell you and he can't lead you if you're following at a safe distance. He wants you to be right there beside him in his inner circle. Now, last week, we all passed through those waters of baptism as a visible sign of your commitment to grow in faith this year. The first way to do that is to approach Jesus with an unbridled curiosity to know him better and to know his will for your life. Be curious by getting in a Bible study, a small group. If you don't want to get into one that exists, talk to me. We'll start another one. Be curious by doing the year of the Bible or the lectionary readings or an online study. Be in the word of God at home by yourselves. Be curious what God has to, st- to say. Pray. Tell Jesus that you want to be closer. Let the Holy Spirit convict you and work in you to make that happen. I want to invite you now to close your eyes for a minute. And I want you to imagine standing on the shore on a beautiful day. Feel the sand between your toes. Feel the warmth of the sun, which we could sure use today. Hear the water gently lapping up on the shore. Now imagine that Jesus walks by and you start to follow. Walk along behind him for a minute. And he turns around and he waits for you to catch up. And as you look into his eyes, he asks you, what do you want? Tell him. Now Jesus says to you, come and see. Jesus invites you today to be part of his inner circle. He invites you to walk with him, to sit with him, to learn from him. Will you accept his offer to come and see? Amen.